Blog Talk Radio. Sam Stone came home to his wife and family after serving in the conflict overseas. And the time that he served had shattered all his
having a good Memorial Day. This show is dedicated to all the soldiers who came back from fighting overseas, but who really never came back. Right, Carl? Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to give a shout-out to my brother uh, who served in Vietnam. Uh, He came back. He's fine. uh, But he still won't talk about it to this day. So, you know, that definitely had an effect on him. So I just want to give that shout-out. Yeah, Sam Fuller, from a kid, he was into everything. He he became a paperman, a newspaper guy, from like nine years old when he worked, started working as a copy boy. He said that he fell in love with being a newspaper man from the second that he walked into the place. And then he ended up working the crime beat where he learned a certain street, well, he learned the street truth for working the crime beat. And you can't learn to be a purple pro, well, you know, you got to have exciting things like man kills woman, bashes brains in over overcooked dinner or something like that, you know, something just, that just grab you by the throat. My favorite has always been headless body found in topless bar. But yeah, that's that is the cla- classic one. Headless body found in topless bar. But, yeah, we don't have real news like that nowadays. Nowadays, they just try to scare us. Yeah. And he became an author and wrote. Uh, he wrote his first book right before... Uh, World War II hit, and like every good American, he signed up to be in the war. He's always said that there were three things that influenced him the most, and that was the title of a great documentary of him, about him too, wasn't it, Carl? Yes, it was, absolutely. He said the three things that influenced him the most was the typewriter, the rifle and the camera. He was in the big red one, which if you know your Marines, the big red one was like the guys who were always there first, uh, artillery division one, the big red one. And he was the, one of the first people to hit the beach on uh, Normandy. Yeah, Normandy and V-Day. And by the luck of, as he said, by the luck of God, he survived. Yep. And he was also one of the first people to hit the camps. And by that, you mean the death camps. The death camps, yeah. And what had happened is a little bit before that, his first book, The Dark Page, which is in print again, you need to read it, uh, came out and his mother took his money and sent him a movie camera. So he was just playing with that and uh, just filming everything he could. And he ended up taking the movie camera with him on the day that they hit, wasn't well, I forget what camp it was. I think it was Dachau. 
I'm pretty sure you're right about that. It was Dachau. Yeah. And he, most of the first film that we saw of the concentration camps was taken by Sam Fuller. And he filmed this. And at the end of the day, he ran into this general and he said, Son, what in the hell do you have there? He's like, uh, he thought he was in deep shit. He's like, uh, a film camera, sir. Have you been filming long? Uh, I've been filming all day, sir. He's like, you give me that. And he's like, oh, God, I'm in trouble. And then later that day, that four-star general come up to him and said, you have done more to help us prove, to help us win this war by shooting this than you ever did with a rifle. He's like, how so, sir? People, before this, people would not believe what happened in the camps, even if you told them. But now they're going to be able to see it. Yep. And from that, he learned the power of a movie camera and became a movie maker after he came out. Mm -hmm. And this was his second film that he directed. The first was I Saw Jesse James, another great film that dealt with street reality. Because he took the time to make you feel bad for Frank James. Uh, not Frank James. Uh, Bob Ford, Younger. the guy who shot... Yeah, Bob Ford. That's it, Bob Ford. Yeah, Bob Ford, it. the guy who shot Jesse James. And then he came out with this, which is the steel helmet. And I've seen this many times, and this is like Carl Second. And he said, "And I, what was it you told me that how this film affected you when you watched it?" Well, well, the one thing, you know, I mean, you've been talking about this film forever, and I'm not saying I hadn't watched it before when I was a kid, but I didn't remember it, and so. When I first, I finally saw this about a year ago on TCM, and what really hit me was the the, the sense of boredom isn't the right word exactly, but the the sense of drudgery and that they deal with, and 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 what all they deal with, and it's not pretty. It's not it, it, there. There isn't anything in this film. That glorifies war. Nothing. And and as we go through it, you'll see that he's taking a, a very egalitarian look at it because it affects both, you know, the 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 soldiers were following and the enemy. And it's and it's very interesting what he does. Uh, it's unlike most war films I've ever seen up until like the seventies when things changed. And you've got anti-Vietnam uh, 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 war uh, films. But I hadn't seen anything like that previous to that until I saw this. Yeah, he he wanted to put what he, is, he knew war was into a movie. And if you look at his war films, they were all a dry run for his big <laughs> epic. Uh, the big red one. And 
we're going to probably watch that one day, so we'll save the stories on that. But all of his things, cross bayonets and stuff, all of them were dry runs or lead-ups to that movie. And as we get into, this movie was not well and warmly received when it came out. Yep. And we are at. Sorry. Technical thing. We are at Kit Parker Films. Yes, we are. Yeah. And we're hitting, and we're ready to go and hit play. Are you ready? Are you ready for the countdown? Go give me the countdown, sir. I'm ready. Five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. And we, uh, this story is dedicated to the United States Infantry, because that's what he was. He was an infantry soldier. Yep. And the steel helmet, we see the helmet right here. And unlike most movies, which would show the star hero, there, there it is, just big boom and explosion. That's war, not... And right now we're just focusing on the helmet. We're not seeing nothing but the helmet. We haven't seen nothing yet, have we? (laughs) No, we haven't. Not at all. Not at all. Usually we're expecting the John Wayne, the big ballsy hero to stand up and say, I'm going to kick me some commie and Nazi ass. But not in this uh, not movie. Now, the other thing, too, is we should make it clear that this is one of the few Korean war films out there. Yeah. So so let's let's make sure we know that going in. Yeah. And here's the person we're following through the movie, a guy who's shaking. And if you just look at him, you're like, this guy is like one inch from snapping and going nuts at any moment. To Sam Fuller, this is the face of war. This is the guys that he served with and seen every day. You know, you never knew if you're going to live or you're going to die or if you're going to make it to the next freaking moment. There he is, crawling out. He's got his arms tied or something. Yep. He has his arms tied behind his back, and he's crawling. And there's two dead bodies by him already. Mm -hmm. And there is basically everyone in his outfit dead. Mm -hmm. 
Canary is playing that he's dead as a Korean soldier. And the reason he picked the Korean War is that was the current war. He wanted to keep it current. Right. And it's a little kid. That's another thing that shot people. Like, oh, bullshit. Little kids wouldn't do things like that. Oh, not true. Not true. I love it. As soon as the little boy cuts his hand, the music stops. Right. You know, not exactly subtle. But then again, he wasn't subtle. I love that. South Korean. Yeah. And what is this little boy's name, Carl? Uh, That would be Short Round. And was there any movies that ever took pay tribute to this movie that you... Short round, I think there was. I think, uh, uh, wasn't there some uh, guy from Indiana? Yeah, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Spielberg loves this movie, and this is his tribute to it. Sam Fuller never was loved by the mainstream, but the directors and stuff, Love the holy crap out of him. Uh, Spielberg, Scorsese, uh, Jim Jarmusch, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Tim Robbins. Yeah. And, and, and of course, if you're talking about directors, I have to give a shout-out to his protege that he he basically trained years later, and that would be Larry Cohen. And Larry, of course, used him on a couple of films as an actor. And the reason that there's a bullet hole in his helmet is they considered a helmet that's already been someone's been shot and someone's been killed in lucky, because in their they believe well someone's already gotten killed in it. There's a good there's a good chance that no one else will be killed in it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it, the thing is that, that you're seeing here is you've got this main character. He was tied up. You don't know why he was tied up or how he survived. But, you know, you're not getting the courageous American soldier that you would get in most of these films. And keep no. in mind, this is 1951. This is right after World War II. So the most of the war films are coming out we're 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 all you know you know praise our boys and yeah. and uh, raise the flag and all that. Very few anti-war films came out during this period. Yeah. And Gene Evans here is basically playing Sam Fuller because he's got that cigarette and talking like that. Mhm. Yep. 
because he'd always say, this is his war. You know, this is about his war experiences. Right. And my daddy went over to Vietnam, who's always said that almost all, he's like, all war films are bullshit. All war films are bullshit. I got him this in the Sam Fuller set. I said, what do you think of the steel helmet? And he's like, that wasn't bullshit. Exactly. And you could tell that he knew these guys because he's like, take Pee Wee's shoes. Yep. That prayer to Buddha is the same thing as uh, him wearing that helmet with the bullet hole in it. Uh, Yeah. And this is really why it stuck with Vietnam, too, because, you know, South Koreans, North Koreans, South Vietnamese, North Vietnamese. Well, you know, at, at that point in time, now, I, I, I'm just supposing here, because I don't have anything to back it up, but you've got a situation where I don't think people knew this film at that point in time, it's particularly the people that were uh, against the war, the college students. I'm not sure they knew about about him at this point, yeah. at that point in the time in the 60s. Well, I just want to quote uh, Sam Fuller. He said, the communists hated this film because it was too pro-American. The Americans hated this film because it was too pro-communist. The, li- the, 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 the hippie liberals in college hated it because it was too pro-war. Mm-hmm. I don't consider this really pro-war. I consider this more like a documentary on on what it's like to be in this situation. He's not making a yeah. judgment. Yeah, this so, is not pro-war. This is not anti-war. This is war. This is not about good guys or bad guys. This is about not getting killed. <laughs> yeah. And Sam Fuller stated that he said, do you think I really give a damn about who's good guy who's a bad guy all I cared about is not getting shot and you said it before yeah Sam Fuller was always about the truth and that is war was marching 23 hours a day having like a 30 second gunfight like we just seen and then more marching yep you you there, there was just never any real you know the action like in the movies. He said, right. movies cut out the bullshit. Yep. 
And he said, this is what scared the shit out of him walking through a foggy forest in the middle of the night. I mean, just imagine how scary that would honestly be. Mm-hmm. Walking through a scary forest, did you hear a sound? Oh, yeah. Foggy forest. Yep. And this movie was not made to be your likable thing. I mean, yeah, this is street reality. Street reality isn't pretty. It isn't heroic. It's just reality. You know, again, one of the things, too, is as we go through this film, it's how the the characters react to each other and some of the things that are said. And this is where you get a real sense of, of, of Fuller because his viewpoint on this is not exactly complimentary about the reasons we go to war and, and, and what yeah. was happening at the time and so on and so forth. Let's you know make sure we, we understand that point here as we go on. Oh, yeah. How do you like that? That's you, Carl. Yep. Oh, cigarette in the ear and cigarette in the mouth. Absolutely. No question. And he said that's happened a lot too. You, we, they would run into uh, scraggly guys who had just gotten shot at and survived, and then they would be together until the next post, and then you know. Right. I love that. Sure, your head's all right? And then that yeah. line he said, I thought they wouldn't kill your kind. Oh, Joe Stalin says he loves the blacks. And he's like, yeah, there's like 18 dead out there to prove that there isn't. Well, you know, let, let, uh, let's also make this clear in terms of uh, some of his viewpoints on race because that becomes extremely important in this. Yeah. And really... The blacks could fight, but you would always see blacks with blacks and whites with whites. It wasn't that integrated yet. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing about Sam. He would just bring in everything, race, everything, in the guise of a B-movie action film. You know, put the medicine in there. Yep. And as he said, there were no racists in a foxhole. <laughs> well, you know, there's also the, the comment, you know, everybody finds God in a foxhole, too. Yeah, there are no atheists in the foxhole. Absolutely. 
Oh, man, we're going to go to Paris and get you some of them dirty pictures? No. And that's one of the reasons, that was right there was the reason why, he just said why a lot of guys signed up to serve in World War II in Korea. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah, true. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They was he was telling the truth from the GI's point of view and the really the guy those who would put us in the war didn't want this truth to be out. They wanted the John Wayne's they wanted us to be ready to be cannon fodder. Right. And that's what his experience was, is with the guys who were cannon fodder, not the guys who were the heroes who did the glorious things. That was the assholes who sat back behind their lines. They had no respect for those guys. Well, just like anything else, I mean, the one thing about about Sam Fuller is he was very, very much talking about the people, you know, the normal people, the 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 the, the um not the higher ups, not not the generals, not any of that shit, not the heroes. The guys in the line doing most of the fighting. It's just like if you look now, if he were to do a film about coronavirus, he'd be talk he'd be focusing in on the, the workers at the uh grocery store. That's and the motherfuckers who are trying to exploit it. Right. You know what guy Fuller said that his guys in World War Two thought of the heroes? Okay. No, tell me. They were the dumb asses who stuck their heads out of the pit and got shot at. Yep. There's a scene in the big red one where they're telling him, Go lay the explosives, go lay the explosives. And he's like, no, sir, I am not going out in that shit. And then it has his sergeant played by Lee Marvin point a gun at Fuller and says, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to blow your brains out here today. Well, by God, I'm getting out there and putting out them explosives. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They really did have to basically, none of them wanted to be the hero. They wanted to be the guy who lived. Right. And here's a green troop. These guys are newbies because they're talking and all that. Right. And this is, and the guy back there with the horse is based on a guy that he knew that had a donkey that carried supplies around with him. And he said, that son of a bitch and a horse never got shot once in the whole war. Because <laughs> if you notice that it's in Merrill's Marauders 2, uh, Fixed Bayonets. 
Oh, and don't forget, it's also in it's also in uh, uh, Francis the Talking Mule, and I'm not joking about that. Yeah. Seriously. That the donkey doesn't get shot, ever get shot. Yeah. All of these are Sam's stories. You'll see all of them really linking, like uh, the character that's in every one of Sam Fuller's movies. Griff. He was the guy that uh, he served with that couldn't bring himself to shoot someone up close. He could shoot someone from far away, but if he got up close, he couldn't do it. Right. See, that's what they, Dad, my father, and them would call uh, West Point, you know, West Point officer. A green motherfucker right. that had no, no battlefield experience. But learned everything he knew how to be being an officer for in the books. And all he was good for is getting you killed. Mm-hmm. Guys like him yep. would end up having accidents. <laughs> Do I have to go into any detail about that? No, no, not at all. Not at all. They consider guys like him more as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than the fucking guys that were shooting at him. Yeah, that's not surprising. How do you like that? They're not talking about I was heroic. He just says, I was lucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, three in the bonfire. I mean, there's no prettiness in there. If I would love to have seen someone who loved the Audie Murphy, uh, Fighting Sullivan's, Rally Around the Flag, Good America, Bullshit, War Movies, their reactions to seeing this. Oh, I'd, I'd agree with that. Because I... I talk about my dad. My dad loved war movies. He loved uh, westerns. He loved the sense of of America prevailing. And and you know, years later there were films like The Last Detail and that which he couldn't stand. But it would be interesting to see what he thought about this film. Okay, because he had just come back from the war. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, and to see what he thought of this film. Because I can almost guarantee you, she wouldn't like it. Yeah, Sam Fuller made this after coming back from World War II, his second film, you know. I would say he had just come back from the war in about four or five years. And he knew that he couldn't make a World War II film like this. So he was... So he knew that the Korean War was going, so he's like, okay, let's settle him on I'm making a Korean War film. And this is what he gave him. Because if you notice at the first, it said produced, written, and directed. So he really right. had no one to tell him, no, you can't do this. You know, it's surprising that he actually got... got uh 
uh, funding for this, considering. Well, he was still a war hero, Big Red One, you know, with uh, Big Book, uh, The Dark Page, uh, Top 40 Bookseller. Right. I love that. These no bushies. I know you hate my guts, but we need an experienced man here. Yeah, they need experienced guys. The the ones that the experienced hated the fucking uh, uh, green apple lieutenants. Because yeah. all they do is get motherfuckers killed because they don't know shit about being on the field. Yep. Like, man, you know everything there is about shooting a movie on the books. But would yeah, that but really we don't translate know into the fucking grabbing a camera and actually doing it? No. Nope. Not at all. And if you notice, there's a lot of this, just them in the foggy woods and stuff. That's how we got it under low budget, too. There were only like two or three, like, really set pieces or sets in this movie. There's yeah. the forest, there's the out in the road, and then there's the temple at the end of the movie. Yep. And you notice that he puts the music in this. It's like something out of a horror movie, not a... War movie. War movie, yeah. So that's something yep. you really want to get across is that they were all scared shitless. And wouldn't you be scared shitless the whole time you were there? Oh, absolutely. Especially in the war where it wasn't easy to tell who the bad guys were. The Nazis had their big fancy outfits. Mm-hmm. You know, Nazi regalia. It was easy to tell the Nazis. It was easy to tell the Japanese. It was easy to tell the Italians who were going to come out there and kill you. Yep. But in the Korean War, you didn't know. No, that's very true. Remember, he's like, all he cares about is getting the fuck out. <laughs> yep. The other thing that I'd like about this is is that the sense that there are no stars that 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 you know that helps in in, in making his point that these are real yeah. people in real situations. You know, sometimes yeah, if you have a major star, they, yeah. there's no if real, you have a major yeah, everybody has their moments too. Yeah, but what I was going to say is that. Without a star, it's not like seeing John Wayne or Burt Lancaster or, or that sort of thing where it can take you out of the film. 
Here you're focused uh, in that uh, uh, these are real people. Can't bring up Burt Lancaster. Well, Burt Lancaster has some great war movies, okay? But they're anti-war movies too. They work yeah, well. Yeah, because Burt Lancaster is in one of those that I would put with the steel helmet, which is Go Tell the Spartans. Oh, absolutely. You see right there, just someone getting shot. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, go tell the Spartans. That shocked a lot of people. That one also shocked a lot of people because of how anyone, and that's another thing, with no stars, anyone can die at any time, and you don't know who's going to survive or not. Like with the John Wayne films, you just look, and he's like, yep, there's a... He's the hero. John Wayne, you know he ain't going to get killed. Exactly. Remember, that's what fucked up your dad about the Cowboys. Oh, and, and, and that's the reason I love the Cowboys. Seriously. Yeah. That's exactly the reason I love the Cowboys. And that was one of the smartest moves John Wayne did. He's like, you know... Well, there's a great there's a great story where where he uh, he's talking to Bruce Dern and he basically says to Bruce Dern, "You realize that uh, by killing me in this movie, people are going to hate you for as long as you live." And the thing is, he was right. <laughs> Sorry, but I can't see him. You're not supposed to see him. You fucking idiot. <laughs> and this movie is really one of the first ones I see that really gets into the chaos of the war, the chaos of a firefight. Right. A lot of the movies are just so fucking clean, you know. Oh, yeah, that's one thing this movie is not. It is not clean. No. It's not even close to clean. And that's another reason that the other that the powers that be didn't like his film. They're like, you know, you're, you know, people will watch this movie and not want to sign up and go to war. And he said, "Good, that's the fucking point." <laughs> yep. Sam Fuller told his wife, Christina, later in his life, he said, you come home from war, but you never do come home from war. Yep. She said that he would uh, wake up some nights, uh, just wake up in a cold sweat screaming. Yeah. You know, that's why why I, I, I find it interesting in terms of my brother, because he doesn't talk about Nam. But I know it affected him. I'm My uncle does that. too. Never says a word about it. My uncle uh, Ricky, he come back, hasn't said a word to the family. 
no. about what happened over there. My dad was hesitant to talk about it. Well, you know what? I, I never went to war. I couldn't go to war because of uh, physical problems. Um, but nonetheless... And you better thank God your fucking knees every day. You better thank your illnesses well, every well, day you know, for it's that. Not only, it's not only that, Stephen. It's that I do have a respect for people who went through it. Because there's no way that I'm going to understand what that is. And only they do. And, and the one thing yeah. that really bothers me over time is the way that we treat our, 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 our veterans. You know, I mean, you, you see this thing, you know, thank God for all the veterans and that sort of thing, but what do we do as far as their, their health is concerned, their education, things like that to get them back uh, into society? We don't do shit. No, we don't do shit to take care of them. Ugh. No, we don't. I mean, look at me. I'm the way I am because my dad got exposed to Agent Orange in the freaking war. Vietnam War. And my, my brother did, too. My brother did, too. My brother has uh, got exposed to uh, Agent Orange. So, yeah. They, it's like, yeah. That's another thing Sam would talk about is how they would send you over there to get shot at and you would come back and they wouldn't do shit for you. Yeah. A GI Bill was a Band-Aid. He would say it too. It was a band Because he knows when he's talking about the GI Bill, he was putting a Band-Aid on Gene Evans' leg. Right. That's what the GI Bill right. was. It was a Band-Aid. Oh, come home. We'll give you cheap bills and we'll get you through college. And after that, fuck you. You're you're going to psychological issues war? Oh, just tough it up. Man it up. Man it up. Well, I will say this. The GI Bill certainly helped my father. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying it didn't help. Remember, uh, Audie Murphy... They said on the scene uh, where he was uh, filming some of his war scenes in the hell and yep. back, they said that on the day where they were shooting at, he had the shakes all the day, all through that day. Oh, yeah. And he said that he wished his movie was more like the Steel Helmet than the movie that they made. Because you notice that anyone who's a vet who's really been through real war, and they watch this and they're like, yep, this is... And that's why your dad wouldn't like it, because this is probably what he went through on a day-to-day basis. Well, no, he was he was shore patrol. That's a different. That's a whole different. That's why. Oh, he was the fucking know. shore patrol. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> no, no, of course he did. But that's what? the point. That's why he hate, hated the last, last detail because I always believed, though he would never confirm it, that was his life. That was how he was. 
Yeah, bored shitless, waiting for something to happen. And then after yeah. that... And you notice, unlike most war films, there's no goal in this movie. Well, there is, but... Unless you consider not getting fucking killed a plot goal. Uh, I would... I, yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, most war movies... I love it, this guy. He said he knew a guy like this, too. They would carry around uh, a little organ like that. Yeah. Of course, here we have short round. Yeah. Yep. And, and I love this character. I love short round. And we won't go into what happens here. Uh, don't. Not yet, anyway. How do you like it? That thing says Fat Paul, then all of a sudden he said it belonged to our chaplain. It was Father Paul, but the ER got burned off. (laughs) He said the real story is that every time that the father got his uh, box with Father Paul fixed, they would paint over the E in the yard. Right. <laughs> he said shit like that's what kept you from going crazy. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing if we take a look at, at uh, uh, things yeah. like uh, Apocalypse Now and that, that's the one thing they get right. The stuff that that makes you get get past being crazy, mash too. Now, of course, now I want to make a point here. They're at the temple. Take a look at how he lights the temple and how he exemplifies the art of the temple. Because that's yeah, important. the temple is a gorgeous. He shoots it as a gorgeous, beautiful, serene, sacred place. And what do we do to sacred things? Uh, we destroy them. Yeah, and that will come out too. Well, of course it comes out. And he's uh, and Sam Fuller, this is going back a little bit earlier, knew a guy like that too who was uh, bald and always carried all these hair tonics and hair products and shit to try to get his hair uh-huh. to grow back. And the guy is like scarlet fever, you know, lost all of his hair and stuff. It basically shows how green these guys are. And it's the green ones that... Sam always said they never got friendly with the green boys because they knew that their asses were pretty much dead. You know. And there's that sense of distancing, too, in this movie where uh, Gene Tierney's character doesn't want to get close to any of them because he knew that pretty much most of them will be dead. Right.
But yeah, I love it. They're at the temple. Every you know. And once the they capture the Kami spy. Then things get really interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's when he brings out some of the stuff that really pissed off someone, which we'll really get into at the end of the movie. <laughs> you like to piss off people, don't you? You like filmmakers that piss off people. Let's be honest here. So do I, actually. Yeah, but he pissed them off by telling the truth. Yep. Oh, and there's one of my oh, one of my favorite lines too, which is definitely my dad. I knew this line before this movie because my dad said that. He's like, you know how we knew the difference between the North Vietnamese and the South Vietnamese over in the war? How? The North Vietnamese were running from you. The South Vietnamese were running towards you. Yep. And that's probably something that uh, your dad didn't want to get into, was it? Well, again, remember, he's short for tall. He never went overseas. Yeah. So he, yeah, it's a different thing. Lucky, only, yeah, he was very lucky. I'm not sure if it was that or Tino Lorber, but one of them put it out for sure. That movie will fuck you up. Oh, yeah. I saw, again, we were talking about, about HBO. We always talk about HBO in the day when I, uh, in the 70s. That was a movie yeah. I saw because of HBO. I'm sure that you did not watch that that one with your dad. No. Not at all. I mean, I love the apocalypse now, and I still love it, and I own the big dance of the cuts, but it's too much of fantasy and not enough reality. Right. Sort of like, that's why the second half of uh, Full Metal Jacket doesn't work. Because there's yep. no real street reality to it, you know. There's no. Like every three minutes of that second half, my dad, all I kept hearing was bullshit, bullshit, this is bullshit, no fucking way, bullshit. No, so I will say at the first half of Full Metal Jacket, my brother. I, I took my brother to see that. 
And, uh, oh, my dad said that the... was, my dad said, yeah. I, my, I was joking, like, when I turn 18, I'll enlist. And I, he said, if if you do that, I'll beat the living shit out of you. Yep. Because, because of course, the whole thing was R. Lee Army. He said that was exactly what he went through. Yeah, my dad said that's exactly what he went through, too. <laughs> He's like, you see that? You would be fucking Gomer Pyle if you went in there. Yeah, you would be. I love you dearly, but he's right. Oh, God, yeah. Even I know that. I ain't going to bullshit. I ain't got no front. No, both of us No. Now, another thing about this, too, is is if you look at his later films, and you look at Shot Corridor and that, the way that he specifically deals with all this and, and, and with the uh, 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 PS, you know, the post-traumatic stress syndrome and, and shell shock, whatever you want to call it, is very, very much portrayed also in Shock Quarter. Oh, God, yeah. Now, Shock Quarter is... Where I'm at is where the guy finds the dog tags and stuff. Right. And I asked my dad, and he said, would you go... He said, would you guys go get dog tags? And he like, no. He said, it's true. Nobody would give a shit. Yeah. But the thing here is also, you know, what I was going to say uh, was that you take a look at at this and what he's saying. And and all this is just all about the humanity of going through a situation like this, you know, and how it affects you and how... A negatively yeah. affects you. Yeah, I love that. He's like, the doctor's like, I should go check him out. He said he had half of his fucking head blown off. Why the fuck are you bothered? <laughs> now here, this whole thing was short round singing. Yeah. He does it in the South Korean. In Korean. My dad said they actually did do this over in Vietnam with uh, the dog tags, which was uh, booby trap the bodies. Oh, yeah. Get his fucking dog tags. Yeah. Ever hear of a body being booby trapped? Get his dog tag, you fucking idiot. You know, I appreciate his sentimentality, but he's still a fucking idiot. Yep. Well, isn't that the point of it all? Yeah. The idiocy, the idiocy of war. 
that's why uh, green apples like him. I don't know. No, we haven't talked on the show. Have you ever heard of a grenade party, Carl? No, I've heard of a soap party, but never a grenade party. Well, grenade party was when you get these green guys like him that were getting people killed. So the so the other ones, the sergeants, the ones of real experience, would all write their names on a grenade, and they would each walk by hat, and they would each draw out a marble. And no one knew who got what marble ever. And whoever uh, drew the marble would plant the grenade on the green idiot who was getting everyone killed. And (laughs) boom. Wow. Well, after you get one of these green guys who's gotten 10 or 12 guys killed, and there's a pretty goddamn good chance he's going to get you killed. True. Well, yeah. A short round represents the innocents that are always the killed in the war. And I always love in Sam Fuller films how they are—they show the enemy, but they don't show them as stereotypically. A grunt is a grunt is a grunt is a grunt. Right. Now, this was not the first quote anti-war film. Let's make that clear. I think that goes to All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, don't forget Yeah, that's true, too. And the one, of course, where, where uh, uh, Ronald Reagan say, says, where's the rest of me? What, I forget the name of that one. Oh, the best times of our lives? Yes. There have been anti-war films since the dawning of movies. But, as I said, this is not an anti-war film. This is a war film. You know. The main goal of this movie isn't to fight the war, to win the war. It's to survive. saying, just to make it uh, make it through. Right. Yeah. You think I really give a shit about the good guys are fighting for the good American bullshit? No. All he cared about is not getting their ass shown off, shot off and making it home. Yep. And World War One and Two was the first war where most of the guys actually made it back to America. I didn't say in one piece, 
but they made it back to America, which is why where yep. you got uh, what? Oh yeah, the best times of our lives. We're shoulder to shoulder with his soldier with his arms and hands blown off. Right. And that was a new experience because before then, if you got your arm shot off, there'd be a ninety percent chance you're bleeding out or dying of an yeah. infection. So one of the things we're really not focusing on is the tension part of this here. I think one of the reasons for us as commentators having seen this, that's not exactly uh, uh, Sam Fuller's point here, is it? Oh, yeah. I mean... And that's you, another you thing, studio, like I said earlier, they complained that... He scored this like a horror movie. He shot this like a horror movie. Exactly. And the reason that we ain't quoted on the tension is that it's always tense. Every one of the characters is always tense. There's no moments where they're not tense. Right, but it, it's not. It's not like they're going to win this battle or this battle's important or anything like that. There's no importance here. Yeah, there's no battle. There's just yeah. you run into the you run into the other guys and shoot at each other. They get killed or you get killed. You move on. Right. We'll get into more into that when it gets to the end of the card of the movie. Right. Uh, yeah. There's no glamour. No, not at all. Nothing. No glamour whatsoever. None. The only thing that shot gorgeous in this movie is the temple itself. Because of the pure sorrow that you're supposed to feel about what happens to it. Yep. And that comes from Sam saying him marching through uh, Italy and France and seeing all this gorgeous architecture and stuff shot to shit. Yep. In his words, all because some motherfucker wants to say that he being another motherfucker. And that's really the point of war in Sam's world, so some motherfucker can say that he beat another motherfucker. Yeah. And this is the first movie to really mention something that's not even really mentioned in America today. Okay. The Japanese internment camps. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was a that was a dark secret in there, and oh, that pissed off people too. You're fucking talking about that, and I don't like Sam Fuller because he pisses people off. I like him because he speaks the truth. I don't think there's anything wrong with him passing 
Yeah. You know, pissing people off. I don't think there's any problem with that. As a matter of fact, he, he tells stories about how this movie pisses people off with a big grin on his face. He enjoys it. He's like, that means the movie affected you, and that pisses them off, too. Because if Absolutely. you know Martin Scorsese tells it is that they released this as a kid's movie because war feels like that, you know, to prime the next generation to get ready to go to war. Right. And then you go in and you see the steel helmet. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> How would that have affected you if you had seen this when you were like 12 or 13 years old? Uh, by that time, I'd seen a couple R-rated. But still, it would have an effect. I mean, this isn't about the, the. This isn't about the gore. It's not about uh, that. It's about a lot more than that. Yeah. I mean, there's just such a sense of rea- reality in this that really kicks you in the teeth. True. This is one of those movies that I would want to play for anyone who wants to sign up before they go into uh, sign up. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Another great film which you don't like as much, it really gets into this kind of honesty is, and that's Paul Verhoeven's uh, Starship Troopers. It has one of the most brutal and honest moments ever. Well, you know, I'm not a big fan, okay? Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean there are reasons for that, and, and uh, but that's okay. I, I consider that a relatively a fascist film, but that's me. Yeah, that's, well, think about it. Who, where was well, Paul Well, we all know who wrote that. What? No. Well, he well, filmed I it like the fascist films that he watched as a kid during World War Two. Well, if you want to talk about a Verhoeven film about war, you should talk about Soldier, Soldier of War. But the scene I'm talking about is where uh, Casper Van Dien is signing up, and he said, the infantry made me the man I am today. And then you see the guy with his arms, legs. Yep. Blown off in his face, half scarred. Oh, yeah. It just scares me. It's like uh, me and Fred have talked about before. He said there were people who went and seen Starship Troopers, and that, that he come out and they were like, Yeah, I want to sign up for the military. They don't get it. <laughs> Nope. Not by a long shot. That's the problem with uh, honesty and satire. People take it as, you know, well, satire mostly is they take it as truth. Right. And when a movie is real truth, like the Steel Helmet, it pisses them off because they don't want to deal with truth. 
They want their truth. Yep. It's like uh, it was before we met Carl. I got in a fight with this guy who on Memorial Day said, I watch Saving Private Ryan every Memorial Day because it's the truth. I said, what about the steel helmet? Oh, that movie's bullshit. That's not the truth. Yeah, right. That's why. Uh, well, let's, uh, considering where we are as a country right now, let's not get into truth. There is none anymore. It's scary. Yeah, but you know what I mean. He said that movie is really what war... Raven Pryor Ryan is what war is like, not the steel helmet. Yeah, no, no, no. You can not just true. guess how uh, exuberantly I discussed the situation with him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, of course, here we are with, with the... Uh, with, with with the uh, spy, and and what he says particularly, have we got? I don't think we've gotten to uh, the conversation with him and, and the black guy yet. But that you got to bring out the black. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The black guy and the Japanese guy. That is some of Fuller's most brutal dialogue in this whole film. Oh, absolutely. You come and get shot with him. And die, but you can't drink in it, but you can't sit with them in a cafe or ride in the front of the bus with them. Nope. nope. Can't do it. Yeah. Sam Fuller is more of a progressive than most people who were progressives in the 50s really had the guts to be. Yep, agreed. I mean, we're talking about a guy who made a movie, The Crimson Kimono, where the racist was the Japanese character. Sam Fuller loved to rub your face in it. That's another thing about him. He loved to rub your face in it. Yeah. Like in White Dog, where everyone but Christy McNichols' character knew that what a white dog was. Right. They just so casually say it. Oh, he's a white dog. What's a white dog? You don't know what a white dog is? <laughs> yep. And that proves that in 1950, you could get he could get a wide release with a film that rubbed your face in the shit. The Steel Helmet, Shot Corridor, The Naked Kiss, Pick Up on South Street. But in the 80s, you're racist because you're white. Yep. That was Al Sharpman's argument against White Dog, wasn't it? that he made a racist movie because Sam Fuller was white. Yeah, I didn't even know what what he was talking about. Yeah. 
Didn't look at the history of Fuller, even. You know, because you look at the movies, you know, you know, he, he has a different viewpoint. You can't, you can't, uh, um, you know, that's reverse discrimination in a lot of ways. I hate using that term, but in many ways it is. Yeah, well, he had that newspaper guy mentality, just the facts, just the facts. Who cares how ugly they are? As a matter of fact, the uglier the facts are, the better it is in print. Yep. Back in the days when we would have the police cassette, five people killed in a house with their heads bashed in. You know, that kind of ugly reality. Mm -hmm. Yep. And this movie was not only a decent hit, it got him his contract with 20th Century Fox. I thought it was MGM. Well, MGM. Yeah. But he made, this is the second of his three early films before he became a studio guy. The first was I Shot Jesse James. Then he did this. Then he did The Baron of Arizona which is another one based on a true story. And one of Vincent Price's best roles. Yep. And Gene Turney, Tyranny, was all, in almost all of uh, Sam Fuller's Gene films. Evans. He was like... Uh, yeah, Gene Evans. Gene Evans. Gene Evans. He was like Sam Fuller's stand, you know, stand-in. Right. Yeah, he said that's another thing. The guy, only person the guy that guy would talk to was the jackass. He wouldn't talk to no one else. That he whispers to the donkey. Go. We got more people gonna die. Yeah, and this movie really does touch on not as much as the big red one, but oh, and uh, 
boy's a fucking piece of shit thief. Lieutenant just pulled his grenade out with a pin out like that. That yep. actually happened to one of Sam's. So Terrence Malick owes Sam Fuller money. Okay. Because Terrence Malick is a piece of shit thief who steals from better directors <laughs> like Sam Fuller. Tell us what you really think about it. It wasn't true. The whole grenade story. Well, well. Remember this, uh, um, uh, the, the thin red line is not real, and it's not supposed yeah. to be. It's a, it's a, uh, uh, it's more of a philosophical treatise on war. Yeah, and I'm just Jim saying Jones. I wish that the grenade story wasn't a true story, <laughs> but yeah, you know. If you remember uh, that whole organ with the father, remember Father Mulcahy had one of those in, uh, was it MASH the movie or MASH the TV series? No, it was MASH the movie, I think. Not positive. Not positive. And how ironic is it in them in war and stuff, and he's singing, if old acquaintance be forgot. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm way ahead of you, by the way. I know, I it's because I'm just mentioning, we're carrying on, I don't know. You're probably right before the shit hits the fan, right? Yeah, exactly, that's exactly where I am, I'm right. Uh, so you're the one that's buffering today, and I'm not. Now that's interesting, because usually yeah. it's me. Well, don't worry about it. This is a short movie, but... Yeah, I love the way he uses smoke in this movie. Absolutely. You could say that it was because it was a low budget, but no. He lo- he said that's the way it was. He was always foggy, you know. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, so I'm at where, where Gene Evans is going after the green guy. And and boy, is, is he busting ass there. Is it where he goes fully batshit? Not fully batshit, that was the half batshit. Since I'm ahead of you, I'm putting myself on hold for a little bit. Yeah, 
so so you can catch up. Okay. But yeah, I mean, this movie—he intended this movie to be raw. He wanted them. The big red one was the movie he wanted to make all the time, but he couldn't get the money for it. Right. No matter how hard he tried, no one would give him the the money for it. Because they didn't want to deal with that. They didn't want a movie that dealt with the boredom of war. If you don't, nothing happens for most of this movie. No, it's all about the interplay between the people and how the boredom and everything affects them. See, this this is his... Yeah, to him, that was war. 23 hours of watching, uh, five minutes of fighting, and then more marching. Yep. He said that ninety percent of the battles that he were in were by accident. Yep. He said they would turn a corner and all of a sudden, boom, they're there. Like what the hell? Yeah. Just push play and we'll go on from there. You're at, no, are you at where the you. communists are attacking the temple? Uh, no, I'm past that. I'm at about 111. I'm where uh, the one guy is on, on the table has just been killed, and the black guy and, and Gene Evans are, are trying to save him. Oh, you're pretty damn close to the end. Oh, I yeah, think that's exactly yeah, where I am, where the Japanese guy, and they're fixing them. All right. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, Dean Tierney goes there. That's how it is. I mean, the battle scene wasn't even that long. It was just bam, 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 And that's another thing that pissed off the conservatives. They were like, too many people get killed. And they're like, it's fucking war. That's what fucking happens. Yeah. But we don't want to see that on the movie screen. Remember the 50s when we were still getting... Remember the 50s or the era which, going back to a movie we didn't do, Anatomy of Murder... Well, a movie is considered, considered controversial and perverted for saying the word panties on screen and semen. Yep. So where well, are you now? When they did the interview with Audie Murphy on this, 
they wanted him to slam the movie. You know, like Audie Murphy's going to be a good American and say, this movie's anti-American, it's communist, it's bullshit. Audie Murphy, no, this is what I went through. Yeah. And yeah, really, yeah, this is it. He's gone nuts and they're fighting over, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and how you like his reviews on religion right there? You know, you want a prayer? Who the hell do you think you are? What do you think as a religious person about Gene Tierney's character, you know? Okay, just keep reminding yourself it's Gene Evans. Gene Tierney is Gene of Evans. another's uh, well, gender. Well, Gene I'm Evans, yeah, but what do you think about Gene Evans being angry because the Japanese guy wanted a prayer? Well, and he you know got what? That just surprised me. Because of the other prayer that Short Round put on him. But that doesn't surprise me, because he doesn't believe that prayer will get you through something like this. It's not about faith in him. It's about finding a way to survive, which is much more uh, um, real. And I love that. He so said, now, what are you, pal? Buddhist. And he goes, boom, Buddha bless you. So I'm near the end of the movie where they're up and in, 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 uh, the final attack, and they're up in the uh, uh, getting ready to shoot. Yeah. So that's where, so when you get there, let's know. But, yeah, how do you love that? I love the fact that he's, he acts so tough, but the fact of that prayer and looking at Buddha just really fucked him up, you know. Yeah. And that really does bring out that thing, you know, there's no atheist in a foxhole. You'll pray to anybody if you'll think they'll get you out of there. You know, or or uh, you find God in prison. Is that because God couldn't run away fast enough? Forget yeah. what comic did that. Yeah. Hey, he found Jesus in prison. No, he didn't find Jesus. He found Jesus. <laughs> no, Jesus found him. <laughs> yeah, like a, a woman who got kid who was in the death row. I mean, it's like. You can't kill me. Why? I find Jesus in prison. And like Bill Hicks said, I think, yeah, it was Bill Hicks. Well, if you found Jesus in prison, shouldn't you want to go see him quicker? (laughs) 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 I'm not making, I mean, that's the thing. Sam would talk about anything that interested him, even if it, Normal people would consider it uncomfortable. Well, you know what? The truth tellers are always uncomfortable. Nobody wants to hear yeah. the truth. Seriously. And, and and those are the people that we have to champion, particularly if we look today at Memorial Day and we look at, at what our, our, our 
you know, lost comrades have gone through and what they went through. We have to be honest with ourselves and understand what they went through. You know, this isn't about patriotism. This is a memorial. This is to 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 know that we lost these people because of war. And no, then there's the people that came back alive, but we still lost them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I picked Sam Stone at the first of the show. Right. By the way, who who does that song? John Prime. You. I thought that was Prime. Okay. Wasn't sure. If you know this, right before the big battle, he used stock footage. Right. Well, it's a cheap movie. You have to use stock footage somewhere. So where are you now, Stephen? They're uh, just talked on the radio and just called in the bombing, and they're using uh, stock footage that Sam Fuller filmed of uh, World War II. Yes, that's actual oh. stock footage that Sam Fuller shot with his little 8mm camera. So to quote that yes. uh, uh, story from Bill Duke, even in the stock footage, it's Sam Fuller's fucking point of view. Yeah. And that's what this whole movie is. It's his fucking point of view. Well, that's the point. You know, he can only be real if he's talking about what he went through. Right? Yeah, yeah that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to put what he went through on film. Mm-hmm. He figured that'd Which be the best thing have... he could do to uh, all the soldiers that he served with and died with and that came back and didn't come back. Well, this is the thing. You know, he wanted to put what he went through, which is not the propaganda, not the political point of view of what Hollywood was at the time or what the country was at the time. That's why this yeah. film shocks people. That's why this film pissed off, you know, the communists and pissed off the government. It did. Yeah, and uh, how do you? And I love during the final battle that this whole beautiful temple that he went to the trouble to film so gorgeously and made such a gorgeous set is getting shot to shit. Exactly, and that's another part of his point. Yeah, war destroys beautiful and innocent things. Mm-hmm. Of course, that includes short rounds. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, war doesn't give a shit. No. And that was really one of the reasons short rounds going to die. Someone asked him, he said, Why did you have to kill short rounds? War. You said, Well, what about it? War don't give a shit. Who it kills, it just kills. Yeah. Do you think a bullet picks who it kills? No. No. 
it's just, I mean, it's just sad just seeing. That's really the saddest thing in this movie is just watching this beautiful temple get shot to shit. Yep. In the pure chaos of War Two, there's no, you know, John Wayne, you to the left, you to the right, bang, bang, bang. It's just, wah, 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 boom, 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 boom. Oh, God, don't shoot me, don't give me no day. That's what I am. <laughs> I mean, really, isn't that how this uh, scene is shot? Yeah. And it's shot through smoke, so you're not really knowing what the hell's going on. Yeah, and there's these loud screeching shells. There's Imagine if someone who went uh through this, watched this, you know, hearing those explosions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna be a priest? He wanted to show a real battle the way that he went through it, not it's funny, there wasn't that many Korean War movies, and most Korean War movies were either directed by Sam Fuller or Robert Altman. Uh, there's also the great one uh, called Attack, which is Korean War. Yeah. There's very few. There's only a handful. Uh, give me a second. I'll give you a So, so let's yeah, take a look. I want to be a priest. Mm. And as far as the United States. And then he gets killed as soon as he says, hey, he's going to go back and be a priest. Yeah, he gets killed. I'm just a little ahead of you. But there were a bunch of them between 51 and 55. There were a bunch of them. Um, a lot of them from, from Sam. Steel helmet, fixed bayonets, uh, Korea Patrol, Tokyo File 212, um, Battle Zone, Battle Circus. Uh, Sayonara, of course. Porkchop Hill. Porkchop Hill is when the studio tries to make Sam Fuller without Sam Fuller's edge. Yeah, exactly. But and then, Sam of course, Fuller's there's always the Manchurian. Uh, mixed bayonets, uh, ski attack. Uh, well, he did, yeah, ski attack. Uh, Merrill's Marauders. 
And don't forget one of my favorite Korean War movies, though it's not exactly a Korean War movie, that would be The Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. And that movie got banned pretty goddamn quick, too. Oh, and, 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 and what's the worst Korean War movie? What? Inchon! Steven? Steven, are you there? Well, I guess Steven disappeared for a second. Uh, we're uh, near the end of the movie. Very much so. And most everyone is dead. Hello? Yeah, you're back. Good. Yeah, what, did, what was, was the word? Inchon. Oh God! No. <laughs> I love when Speaking I make you say, word, "Oh God." I would raise you. Oh, I love this scene here with Gene Turney yeah. just totally fucking insane walking into there. This is when Gene Turney, Dean Evans, fuck just thank you snaps. And he has yeah. that. From here on, he's fucking batshit crazy. And how scary is that look on Gene Evans' face? Oh, are you kidding me? Scary as fuck, man. I'm a little bit ahead of you, so I'm near the end. Yeah. The battle is over now. Yeah, he's just standing. I mean, he just lost it. And Sam said he's seen lots of guys like that. Oh, sure. And he said, they won't pull you offline if they see in your face. They're just like, just grab a gun, son, and just keep on shooting. The people in charge did not give a shit for the grunts. That's nothing in the movie that they really get across. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Or as he called it in his book, A Fuller Life, these five-star motherfuckers. <laughs> well, okay, so I'm at the end with with the shots of everyone. And you can yeah. see they're all shell-shocked. And particularly Gene Evans. Yeah. And Gene Evans and my dad confirmed, he said, and Fuller said that that was really what you did after a war. You, after a battle, you were hungry, you ate, you wanted to eat. Oh, yeah. Get you some kind of normalcy, you know. Oh, yeah. What do you want to do now? I want to get something to eat. I wonder, are they fighting over that fucking... They don't... And there's no reason for them to be fighting like that. It's just that they're there, and that's their job, to fight each other. There was no purpose to this battle. No.
Oh, and did you notice that last enemy that he shoots is a little kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another thing that starts showing up in uh, Vietnam, North Korea and Vietnam that we couldn't handle. We were used to civilized wars where it was grown men fighting grown men. Not wars where they fought commando style and the kids and the women and everyone would fight for us. That's what fucked us in Vietnam and Korea. We weren't ready for that. No, we weren't. Not at all. Not at all. And Korea was the first war that we ever lost. Yep. So, of course, the propaganda said it was a tie, which, of course, it was Well, wasn't. it was a tie. We just decided not to shoot at each other anymore. Yep. And then four months later, we were in Vietnam. Well, see, mm-hmm. yeah. The Korean War's end and the Vietnam uh, excursion. I love how they use that word. Yeah, excursion, yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. going to take we're, an excursion tonight to a we're nice take a country. we excursion in Vietnam. Yep. And the end of this movie proves how dangerous words are. Absolutely. Are you past that point yet? Yes. I am. I'm well, waiting for you. Well, at the end of this movie, that end card, which says, there is no end, that pissed off a certain individual. And who would that individual be? Uh, I think that would be uh, uh, Herbert Hoover, perhaps. Yeah, J. Edgar Hoover. And speaking of your boy going back, in the movie, the private file of Jagger Hoover, there's this scene of Hoover, and he says, what are you doing? I'm looking at files of known communists. And they throw down one of the files, and what does the file say that hits the desk? <laughs> Sam Fuller. Yeah, Samuel L. Fuller. He caught so much shit because... They didn't. That title card got him more shit than anything in this movie. There is no end to this story. Now, don't forget either that that uh, he actually has a small walk-on role on that film too. Yeah. Four. So 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 Larry Cohen, you know, put that stuff in there to piss everyone off to like fucking J. Edgar Hoover. Well, the whole movie is a piss take on Hoover anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> but really, I'm going to ask you, why would that end card, there is no end to this story, piss people off so much back then? Oh, come on. What was so incendiary about it? Because war never stops. And you know what? We've been in Afghanistan for 19 years. You know, before that, we're we're doing all this shit. Yeah, come on. We're in the Gulf War. It never stops. Yeah. The two Gulf Wars. Yeah. It never stops. Ever. Yeah, 
And then the end of the movie, there's no end. It's just the guys pick up their shit and move on down the line. Yep. Yep. And I love how in the big red one, how the war ends, it just stops. It's like Lee Marvin fights this Nazi guy, and then uh, Sam Fuller walks up to him. He's like, hey, guess what? What? The war ended about four hours ago. What? Yeah. Then he grabs the Nazi guys. He said, you son of a bitch, you're not fighting anymore. You're not going to fucking die on me. Yep. But yeah, this is really one of my second favorite film of all time. After Once Upon a Time in the West and before The Wicker Man. And you know how much I love those two. So how high oh, do you think I hold the steel helmet? That is number Very two. Very high indeed. Very high indeed. I love how intelligent it says what it's saying. It takes pulp and uses it to expound dangerous ideas. Well, that's what the written word's supposed to do. I mean, this is the one thing about four. You know, he grabbed you by the lapel and shook you up. Okay? That's, you got to give, give him so much credit for that. Seriously. Now, now, you know, and he did so. Really, he didn't do it with humor like 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 uh, uh, his protege did, like Cohen. But but nonetheless, you know, he absolutely you know made you look at stuff you didn't want to look at, made you see things from a perspective you didn't want to see, and that's like, why he's important as a filmmaker. Yeah, like. Uh... The main character in Pickup on South Street. Don't give me that waver around the rally around the flag bull crap, buddy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he never had, any of his movies never had any pro-America characters, you know. Yep. And uh, they asked him, he said, once he said, are you a Democrat or are you a Republican? And he said, I'm a humanitarian. Yep. And on this Memorial Day, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who has fought in a war, lost somebody in a war, and especially to those who came, who went over there and didn't come back. And I'm not talking about the dead ones. Mm-hmm. The dead That's ones true. are easy. The dead ones got off easy. And the ones who have to live with the horror did not, unfortunately. No. Seriously. So while you're 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 having your uh, quarantine picnic or your cookout or that sort of thing, take a moment. You know, bow your head, do what however you want to do it, and just remember those in your family that had to deal with something like this. And yeah. if they're still alive, give them a hug. 
or give them at least a bow during uh, uh, quarantine or whatever you can do. Give them a phone call. Be thankful that they sacrifice so much of themselves. And yes, I picked two not very, two ugly songs about people, the guys who come back home and didn't come back to book in the show. The first was Sam Stone, which if you were an adult in the 70s or had a brother or a friend who went over to Vietnam and stuff, you probably know the shitload of Sam Stones. Yep. And I'm closing with one of the most brutal songs that Johnny Cash ever wrote. And it's based on a true story, too. One of the guys mm-hmm. who went over in Iwo Jima, and because he was just another Indian, once he came back, well, Sam Fuller really got that in a steel helmet, too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Now you could come back a hero, but if you were... Uh, not white or anything. You were just another nobody. Mm-hmm. So we're closing this with mm-hmm. the Ballad of Hayes, and tomorrow we'll be doing a happier movie with Phase Four. I don't know if I call that happy or not. Happier than <laughs> this one. I don't know the ants take over. Fuck it. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm not talking about it's, Aunt B from, from uh, Mayberry. Okay, just yeah. letting you know. Oh, if Aunt B took over, she'd fuck us all up. <laughs> you heard the stories. Aunt B had that S&M leather suit, and she would take Floyd the barber in the back room after dark and just make Floyd her dog. <laughs> God. I don't want to hear it. Fuck you. (laughs) Yes, yes, Mistress B. B. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're so bad. Beautiful visual. Goodbye, everybody, and happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day, everyone.
Now Arrow's folks were hungry, and their land grew crops of weeds. When war came, Ira volunteered and forgot the white man's creed. Call him drunken Ira Hayes, he won't answer anymore. Not the whiskey-drinking Indian or the Marine that went to war. There they battled up Iwo Jima Hill, 250 men, but only 27 lived to walk back down again. And when the fight was over, and old glory raised, among the men who held it high was the Indian Arahade. Call him drunken Arahade, he won't answer anymore. Not the whiskey-drinking Indian, nor the Marine that went to war. Ira Hayes returned the hero, celebrated through the land. He was wined and speeched and honored. Everybody shook his hand. But he was just a Pima Indian. No water, no home, no chance. At home, nobody cared what Ira had done. And when did the Indians dance? Call him drunken Ira Hayes, he won't answer anymore. Not the whiskey-drinking Indian or the Marine that went to war. Then Ira started drinking hard. Jail was off in his home. They let him raise the flag and lower it like you'd throw a dog a bone. He died drunk early one morning. Alone in the land he fought to save. Two inches of water in a lonely ditch was a grave for Ira Hayes. Call him drunken Ira Hayes, he won't answer anymore. Not the whiskey-drinking Indian or the Marine that went to war. Yeah, call him drunken Ira Hayes. But his land is just as dry and his ghost is lying thirsty in the ditch. We're paradigm.